Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's another episode of the Philosopher's Stone podcast. Um, this is pretty much the first time I've spoken all day, so you have to forgive uh, my lack of enthusiasm. What's going on, Sam Ledoon? You're also on the podcast. Yes, uh, I'm also on the podcast. I'm having a pretty normal week, but next week, actually Friday, I get to go to Mexico for a wedding, so I'm very excited about uh, I don't that. remember fucking asking you, dude, what your next week was going to be like. God. Hey, you said, how's it going? That's that's what's <laughs> on my mind. That's how it's going. I get to go to Mexico. So you don't, good. so that's that's what's up. <laughs> you know, I might be going to Mexico, too. I might be the one getting married. You don't know. Uh, well, that's exciting. Next week, you're obviously excited about it, just blurting it out like that. We're in Mexico. Uh, the Cancun area, Greater Cancun metropolitan area. What's the cartel activity around there like at these time this time of year? No, they're not. They're not doing anything in Cancun. No, they don't. They're not. They're not involved in Cancun. Cancun is all resorts and Mayan temples and scuba diving and stuff. It's very safe. I no expect. interest in the cartels. They fucking hate scuba diving and the Aztecs. the cartels. Or, sorry, the no, they build submarines and stuff. They're into it. Oh, it's just a little attempt at humor there, Sam. <laughs> uh, <laughs> whose wedding is it? I don't know if you want to say on the... Uh, who gives a shit? We have, how many listeners do we have? Do we have any idea? I know we have just several friends that listen. Yeah, over 20, I think. Oh, I checked the analytics. Over 20, we are doing great. Um, well, that's exciting. Are you... Uh, you just... Uh, is... Uh, your lady and the bridal party? Or are you guys just going to the, uh, you know, spectators? No, she's in the, I think she's, uh, it's her, her male cousin is getting married. Oh. So I think his bridal, his groom party is like men. And then I don't think she's in the bridal party. Well, I think you should, you would probably know that better. Yeah, I think it's like, I don't know. They're, it's it's like, I don't know how weddings work. I don't I don't understand. Don't I don't know I don't know. <laughs> okay, well you don't have to overcomplicate it. It's uh, it'll be fun. You're in Mexico. How long are you gonna be there for? A week. Yep, a week, wow. seven days. Very exciting. Very exciting. <clears throat> yep. I'm going to Vancouver on Friday to headline in White Rock. Vancouver Island you're going to? No. No. Just White Rock is in... I thought White Rock was in Vancouver Island. No. Better not be. Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> a massive mistake on my part. No, as far as I know, it's just uh, on the outskirts of Vancouver. Oh, okay. Um, uh, like Squamish, to... sort of? You know what? I'm not very familiar with the area. Um... So it's by Langley. It's closer to Langley than uh, anything else by the looks of it. Oh, uh, lame. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, headlining, uh, though. That's pretty dope. What's the yeah. club called? Where can people find their tickets? It's a bar. <laughs> um. <laughs> headlining a dive bar. Awesome. It's a bar. <laughs> That's all I know. Um, and uh, by the time this comes out, I don't think 
anyone go to black Widow? By the way, anyways, I won the opportunity to headline this at a competition, so I won it. Oh, Headlining so. spot and a flight in a hotel, and then I'm going to be meeting up with some Vancouver comics who will be my supporting acts. And wow. uh, it's going to be fun, just a one-nighter, in and out, going there for Friday night and flying home Saturday night. So, real, uh, like a real comedian lifestyle. Oh, man, you fly in, you bomb for 10 minutes, you go home, <laughs> fly home the next day. That's that's comedy, man. <laughs> well, if I'm only bombing, bombing for 10 out of my 40 minutes, I mean, that's not, oh. <laughs> that's not great. That's, that would be pretty good. It's not terrible. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be doing 45. Think. We'll see how much my my uh, supporting acts want to do because they're driving me from Vancouver out to White Rock, so I'm not going to you know, waste their time with a five minute spot. But um, yeah, that's exciting. A uh, bunch of shows coming up at the end of February. Um, anyways, did you watch the Super Bowl? Uh, I think I watched the first three quarters of it. Yeah. Yeah. Football, not very exciting. Uh, no, it's not. I mean, I, I kind of like it. I, I, I kind of enjoy it. I, I I like watching them try to catch the balls, and I like watching them try to run through the walls of people and stuff. That's fun. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but the thing is, is that um, with a, a sport that, that is that heavy – like you know body contact you know you'd think that would be more exciting but for some reason it's still boring i don't know if it's i think it's because it stops so fucking often like every play that stops and that's the nature of the game yeah i know and the nature of the game is boring the hell out of me because it's I, like a it's like a turn-based uh like RPG. it's like a turn-based <laughs> game as opposed to like a free-flowing game yeah, yeah. Like, That's kind of how I think about it. Yeah. It's, it's like more, more strategy and planning and stuff. Yeah, it's like one of those RPG games where it's like you got to pick which attack you use and, you know, which person you attack. It's like the shit that I have never had the attention span for. I was a hack and slash boy. That's why I like Zelda. Zelda was like every all the good shit about RPGs with, with all the button mashing you can, you can handle. Um, oh, you got to play Elden Ring. That's the RPG of the moment. I can't because I'm so fucking bad at video games. And I know that like you have to be amazing at video games to even try that game. Well, no, not true that. at all. Not That's not true at all. all it's right. uh, it's, it's as tried, hard as you want it to be. I tried... Um, what was the one that was like the precursor for that? Shadows? Sekiro? No, 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 no. Soul... Bloodborne? Dark Souls? Dark Souls. I tried Dark Souls uh, back when it was first getting popular, and I literally could not get past the first NPC. Not even the first bad guy. Literally an old lady making soup by a fire, and like any other game, I would just go up and slash her in the face, right? Because the video game and violence is cool. And uh, not only did she not die, she beat the shit out of me with her label, her ladle, she was using to stir the soup. Hold on, was this Dark Souls 2? I think so. Okay, I have not played Dark Souls 2. Are you sure she was an enemy and not someone you were like supposed to talk to to like figure out what you were supposed, supposed to do? To, you're supposed to talk to her. <laughs> she was just going to give you advice, but we, I was playing with my roommate at the time. Anytime we, 
everyone fair game in a video game, guys. And uh, we smacked this person in the face, whatever, and they killed us to death with the ladle. And then when we respawned, they were still mad at us, and we couldn't get by them for fucking forever. Well, you just clearly weren't good enough to try and take on that uh, NPC. Well, that's, not that's not the game. If I can't beat the lady <laughs> making soup, I'm not going to beat these colossus demons down the road. Well, it's totally different though, because in Elden Ring, you can the game is like built to be flexible to how good you are. So if you don't, if you're not very good, you can summon other helpers to come and help you, and you can just watch them do it for you. And the helpers are they other real people? No, they uh well they can be, yes. You can summon actual players to help you. But you can also find uh they're called spirit ashes. They're like the remains of NPCs who have died in the game and their ashes. You can summon their spirits with their ashes because uh their souls can't return to the Erd tree. Because the Elden Ring is... It's really complicated. It's complicated. It's complicated. Long story. Sounds like a bunch of nerd shit to me, dude. Uh, I actually watched our friend Matthew Push play Dark Souls. And I will say, everything about it was amazing besides the fact that it was like, I would just be dying over and over and over again. And I don't have the attention span to like sink into a game anymore. I, well, it's not even an attention span. I just, I'd rather be doing other shit. I can barely even play Rocket League. I get sick. I get so tired. Wow. A game that takes like ten minutes. Wow. I really, if I want to, like sit down and really like, I want to be able to be a game in like one or two sittings. After that. Okay. Well, all right. So there that, are that's games out there. I beat a game with uh, my wife Chelsea not that long ago. It was uh, called Inside. It's like a puzzle platform. Oh, that's we, a great. That's a great like, game. We like those games, like Limbo. Limbo, Little yeah. Nightmares. He's kind of Little like, Nightmares is great. Yep. Yeah, the ones where there's like puzzles to, and like shit to try and figure out. You know, that's not all fighting. That's the one that Chelsea likes to play with. Because she can help solve the puzzles without actually having to hold the controller. Okay, well that's fair. That's fair. Um. I remember last week you were talking about, uh, was it last week or the week before we were talking about the three body problem and the dark forest idea? Yes. And suddenly that became, and I think we were talking about that in the context of all the weird, uh, stuff getting shot down out of the sky recently. I mean, it's possible. I was talking about it because I just read the book. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I thought like I thought there was like a unique convergence of like you talking about that book and then also maybe it was like the week after you talked about that book, they started shooting down all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like right after. Which, you know, I don't think it's aliens. <laughs> you don't think yeah, like yeah, I don't I don't think so either. But uh balloons but I figured it'd be perfect to aliens are using balloons. Or is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Aliens, they're using balloons. They came all the way here from a different planet, and now they're blowing up. They got helium tanks in their ships, and they're fucking filling up party balloons. And it, it, it took a while for them. It took a while to get here. If it is, I'd like to know. Are they, all, are they the race of the clowns? <laughs> Dude, this is the killer clowns from outer space. Um, it's real. 
but I thought it'd be perfect to do the episode on the whole dark forest idea. Yeah, no, of course. It's fascinating. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm still, I started the third book. Um, still have no idea what the, the uh, you know, overall plot of this one's going to be. Um, I think it might not be so much of a continuation of the second book as a parallel story that happened at the same time. But I don't know. I'm only a couple chapters in. Yeah. So I, I found the um I found the quote from Stephen Hawking, which is uh Steve so Stephen Hawking was asked, should we try to contact aliens? Mm-hmm. And he said I he said, quote if aliens visit us, the outcome would be much as when Columbus landed in America, which didn't turn out well for the Native Americans. Yes. And uh, that, well, so the, 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 uh, the concept of the dark forest is that that is going to be the case no matter what, no matter if they're malicious like inherently malicious or inherently um, what, benign? Is that the opposite? Benevolent. Benevolent. Um, hang on, I got like, Speaking of malicious, I got to let my cat out. <laughs> yeah, cats are definitely malicious. Yeah, Stephen Hawking said that. I think he said this in response to the the SETI program. He said that he thought the. The SETI program is, I think the SETI program, actually, no, sorry. The SETI program is just listening. I think there's another program where they send out radio signals. Or maybe that is SETI program. But anyway, he yeah. said uh, they should not be sending out radio signals. You should try to avoid contacting aliens at all costs. Yes, and that is that is the premise of the dark, the dark forest um, theory, I guess you could call it. Um, yeah is that no matter if like the only choice that to make if you're a civilization that guarantees your survival is to immediately kill anyone you come across <laughs> um, yeah because, it's a <laughs> because of it's a like, very pessimistic theory <laughs> well the the idea i guess is um no matter what level of civilization you find there's most civilizations if they're anything like earth are capable of going through very quick bursts of technological advancement so you could see a civilization that's in the stone age and then next time you look at it a few hundred years later or a thousand years later which is a blip nothing in a span of the cosmic civilization they could already have become spacefaring and so you can't like keep an eye on every single civilization uh, and see if they stay benevolent and unthreatening when the next time you look over suddenly they're super advanced and uh aggressive so it's like if you really want to secure the safety of your own civilization you have to just blast anything you come across no matter how uh no matter how uh, you know benign they might seem, because at any moment they can become a, a serious threat. And yes, so the safest bet for any civilization is to just remain unknown, because there is no 
safer alternative for other civilizations than to just kill whatever they whatever they are able to kill. It's what the the analogy is the the universe is a dark forest and it's full of silent hunters, which are the, all the civilizations. And uh, the only way to survive is to not be found by other hunters and or to shoot first if you do stumble across another hunter. Um, it's the only way to guarantee your uh, civilization's survival, which I get, and it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Uh, that's a great overview of the the dark forest metaphor. And I I did I haven't read the book, but I did a little bit more research about it, and they break it down into uh, like yeah, you know, like you're saying, like the civilizations and survival like they break it down into these axioms so the so so the question the question might be like why is the why is everyone in the universe so hostile why do you have to shoot first and you get to that conclusion if you accept the following axioms the first is that survival is the primary need of civilization and the second is that civilization constantly grows and expands but the total matter in the universe remains constant. AKA there's not, see that part I was kind of confused. Does that just mean that there's not going to be uh, a surplus of resources? I, I, I don't understand. Yeah. Well, yeah, basically like it, basically it means that civilizations are competing for finite resources. And the thing about the total matter of the universe remains constant that it looks like the what's called the law of conservation of mass which is that matter cannot be created or destroyed yeah but but that leaves open but the door is like left open like this is probably totally fantastical but it maybe there, there's a possibility that the universe isn't a closed system and you could if there's a multiverse you could import matter from another universe into our universe through like a if you have I'm like into, a subtle I'm in, uh, importing exporting that's my job yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah um but the uh the the prospect it, it is an explanation for the fermi paradox uh that yes yeah makes it, it, a yeah, lot exactly. more sense than other ones i've uh that one makes sense to me and the one that really i think might make the most sense to me is most civilizations that get to a certain level of advancement they just go into virtual reality instead of exploring physical space hmm. yeah for uh for listeners who don't know the fermi paradox it was posed by the famous physicist enrico fermi enrico. which is basically enrico fermi uh the fermi institute in the united states is uh named after him. He'll probably play a big role in Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer film coming out. Fermi, big deal, physicist. But anyway, he posed the Fermi paradox, which is basically if aliens exist and if they're common, why, where are they? Why haven't we encountered them yet? Yeah. And the dark forest says, well, everyone's hiding because they don't want to get blown up. (laughs) Because it makes very little sense for there not to be uh, a lot of civilizations that are at a level at this point that they would be it would be all they, everybody would be all over the universe right there'd be so much evidence so that that's one theory there's also the theory that 
the universe is so so big that even though there is a ton of civilizations out there they're just so spread out that it's almost like we're alone yeah so at at this point we can sort of we can sort of sum up the axioms as uh, civilizations are competing for finite resources, failure to compete effectively will result in the death of the civilization. The, one of the most effective ways to compete is, of course, to eliminate other competitors whenever you get the chance. Mm-hmm. But, if you're in, but if you aren't able to eliminate other competitors, then the best strategy to survive is to stay small, stay hidden, and try to find a way to survive without constantly expanding. Yeah. I mean, unless you're top, top Chad in your corner of the universe, you're probably <laughs> going to hide, right? There's always going to be, a, there's always a bigger fish, you know? <laughs> yes. Qui-Gon Jinn. <laughs> yeah. Qui-Gon um, Jinn. A yeah. philosopher so, in his own right, I would say. Oh, yeah. Like uh, the Jedi, they were sort of like warrior philosophers in a way. Yeah. Maybe. And actually Qui-Gon Jinn, he really didn't, uh, he, he was a bit of an outlier. Amongst the Jedi, as far as his own philosophy goes, but let's not save that for a different episode. <laughs> yeah, let's let's. I, that, I would be interested to know why Qui Gon was an outsider from the rest of the council. That would be interesting. Well, yeah, <laughs> we should I explore that. I'll do a deep dive on my guy Qui. Um, yeah, and how can you be elevated to the rank of master but not be granted a seat on the council? I I kind of sympathize with Anakin on that one. Yeah, anyway. dude. At the end of the day. <laughs> He was just annoyed. People didn't want to. They didn't want to sit with him on the fucking council all day. Can you imagine him always, always going against the grain? They'd just be like, "Oh my god, shut the fuck up." We get it. You're different. You know, you're a unique guy. (laughs) You are the chosen one. (laughs) I was the chosen one when I was your age. You know that? Do you fucking know that? Yeah, everyone used to have really high midichlorians, but then you hit 40 and that shit drops off. (laughs) It's called old age. (laughs) Got to get on that MRT. I was over with midichlorians when I was your age. (laughs) Ah, Okay, so, but okay, so at this point you might raise an objection and you might say, look, not all civilizations are necessarily like malicious like this. Like why... uh, like earthlings we know that we're like we made star trek we seem to be optimistic about working with other civilizations so why aren't benevolent civilizations cooperating with each other why isn't why don't we have a federation of planets for example well first of all just saying we made star trek is not good <laughs> like not a good piece of proof that we aren't uh, a terrifyingly violent species. <laughs> I think mean, you look yeah, anywhere enough. outside of Star Trek and you'll be able to see that pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. We made Star okay, Trek. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. that count for anything? We're the good guys. <laughs> Honestly, if Gee. I was a if I was a, a civilization that uh, you know achieved. Uh, Space travel in that level, whatever, level two or level three civilization. Um, level one is harnessing all the power, energy of your own planet. Level two is... This is the Kardashev scale, right? Yeah. Level two is yeah. harnessing all the energy of your home star. And level three is harnessing all the energy of your own galaxy, which would be 
Yeah. I mean, can't even imagine what that would look like. But we're not even a point. We're not even a one. We're like a point fucking three um, civilization. So why would any ones or twos or threes wouldn't even notice us? Twos mm-hmm. probably look at us as like just why would why would you like why? And then ones that are above us, like they punish, they're probably looking at us like kind of like trailer trash, you know. Ooh. Yeah, we don't want to hang out with those. They're, they're kind of they're, they're um they're undesirable, really, for what we are. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, that's one reason is like they're not cooperating with us because we don't have anything to offer. Really, that that makes sense. Um, what, what benefit of them is it to for them to like give us a hand up? Like, why would they do that? If only I think it's very clear to anyone observing that we have a propensity to. Uh, you know, give into our primate like impulses and just want to fuck shit and kill. Eddie, it's true. Eddie. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, like, for example, like, um, on Earth, like, we do see that, like, Earth civilizations don't necessarily, don't always try to eradicate each other on site, even though Earth has finite resources. And all the civilizations are, in a sense, competing for some of these resources. But we're not, uh, like, we do fight wars and things like that, but it's pretty, like, no one's, um, people choose to work together because they can't really, the balance of power is such that it's impossible for any one faction to take over. And people work out and and, and cooperate. But is this possible on a galactic scale where messages take hundreds or thousands of years to cross the like the reaches of space where aliens might be so different from us that any sort of communication is just impossible there's that and then there's like because of the time and the technological bursts that are possible and the societal and uh, cultural changes that can happen really quickly uh, by the time you get a response, like say you go, hey, you send a message to a, another civilization, it takes 300 years to get there, right? They get it, they respond, hey, let's, we're, we're, uh, we, we want to meet up and like exchange technology and culture. Wouldn't that be great? And that sends back a message, it takes 300 years to get back to us. But by the time that message gets back to us, in that 300 year time, they might have advanced so much technologically and their culture becomes so much more different that they really do just want to fuck us up at that point, right? They yeah. Take our resources. So that yeah, is this, the, yeah. that, that's one of the, the, uh, the problems, and this is why the Dark Forest uh, uh, analogy is uh, so interesting, is because you never know if the person you communicated with last is the same person they were when you they sent the message as when you receive it so you have no true ability to have any trust in anything that you get as far as communication like this Mm -hmm. yeah so this is uh yeah so we can sum up the reason why aren't and this is i think in the book this is called the chain of suspicion is what they call this yeah and the idea is that um they, they introduce these two concepts that you can have two types of civilizations. You could have a benevolent civilization and you can have a malicious civilization. Mm-hmm. And the benevolent civilization will not 
strike first to eradicate another civilization. But a malicious civilization will strike first to eradicate another civilization. And so the question is, suppose two worlds, so so there are a bunch of benevolent worlds. Why don't the benevolent worlds cooperate with each other? Like we see them do on Earth. Like people do cooperate with with each other. There are alliances. Yeah. And uh, the reasons are, first, there could be such immense biological and cultural differences. There's such vast differences that it's like you can't really compare relations between Earth countries to relations between intergalactic civilizations. Yeah, I mean, we're all on one planet. That's why I think if nuclear bombs hadn't been invented and we were still at, you know, uh, pre-World War II technology, maybe as far as like um, splitting the atom goes, I think there would still mm -hmm. be a lot more war going on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and so the, I think the, the reason the benevolent, another reason the benevolent civilizations can't cooperate is because like you said earlier, like because of all these factors, the time it takes for messages to travel, no one ever really knows for sure if another civilization is actually still benevolent or not. Right. Unless... You can't really figure it out. There are, this is a bit of a spoiler for the three body oh. problem. So oh. anyone that's wanting to read it or hasn't read it, it's, it's not a huge spoiler, but it is actually, it's a pretty big spoiler. Um, <laughs> it's not huge, yeah. but it's pretty big. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'll just say this. There, the, the, there is a method of communication that is happening between two civilizations in the book that is instantaneous through quantum. Ah, through quantum, quantum entanglement. entanglement. Yeah. Wow. So that that's a big game. That's a game changer. That's a that game, changer. game changer because then if you have two, then you have two civilizations that are separated by hundreds of light years uh, apart, but they can communicate with each other instantly, so they can keep tabs exactly uh, where their technology is and what their culture is, and if they're benevolent or. Um, malicious malicious malignant (laughs) great movie um yeah and yeah so that's that's a a brilliant point and i think maybe the second reason then this leads us into the third uh the third concept of deterrence but the the second reason you don't see the second reason we don't see so much communication and cooperation happening is because there are powerful malicious civilizations that are monitoring the universe for signs of weaker civilizations, AKA future competitors, and that they will swiftly eradicate them as soon as they detect uh, where they're, where they're coming from. So I thought, I thought a metaphor for this is like how like a male grizzly bear or like a male lion will always kill the cubs of another, uh, grizzly bear or another lion because they know it's future competition yeah and it can happen at a, a in a blink of the eye it can be one day it can be weaker than you then the next thing you look over and it's bigger and stronger than you so it's always a risk to um let something be because you never know what it's going to be next time you look at it 
Um, and it, and another thing with the the uh, dark forest is that it it doesn't it doesn't mean every single civilization that discovers say Earth is going to kill it. But if there's that many out there, only a small percentage has to. Uh, well, in the in the words of the book, it's a less of a hassle to destroy than to probe and see what is what what's going on there. It's less of a. Uh, it's, it's easier just to destroy a civilization than to actually go and investigate if it's dangerous. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Now, uh, I feel like, I don't know. I, I, I know I have, there's more that I could talk about that happens in this book, but I don't know if you've gotten there yet. So I'm not sure if I should talk about this because I think it's a potentially massive spoiler. Yeah. Don't, I mean, I know I don't want to a ton for everybody listening, but don't you dare do the same to you right now, Sam. I'm going to finish the okay. book. Hopefully next week we can talk about it. Um, I know a basic new concept that they just started talking about in the third book uh, about how life affects the universe itself. Um, as far as Have it, they talked about deterrence at all? Have you read anything about that? No, you shut your whore mouth. No? Okay, I'm going to shut, I'm going to shut my mouth. Okay. <laughs> I, won't, I won't talk about that. But super cool when you do get to it. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, the, the uh, it's a terrifying concept to think it that is. You are, yeah. uh, we could potentially be screaming out into the dark forest. Uh, whole, you know, is anyone out there? Then you just get something. <laughs> Right? Annihilated, yeah. Yeah. And then all the well, other that might have heard the blast or saw the blast were like, why would that idiot why is it why are they yelling out? They're so dumb. Why would they make themselves known like that? They're so yeah. weak. Yeah. Like we're like the quail of the of the galactic <laughs> Yeah. The quail of the universe. Yeah. We're running out into traffic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think um yeah, I was I was reading an article about this, and so basically, for the, I think the last hundred years or so, like since the invention of radio, Earth has been pretty much constantly blasting out radio television signals into space. Yeah. So these have now these are now these signals are detectable. I think up to eighty light years away at this point. Yes, but so, are they are they distinguishable as oh yeah, definitely other than definitely actual radio waves coming from like stars? Yes, I think so. Pretty sure, yes. Well, that's terrifying. Like the more, the farther out these uh, radio waves reach, and would they be able to determine the location of those pretty easily? Do you think? I mean, I would I would guess that a civilization that advanced would probably be able to do that. Well, the way you find them is you have to point i think the way they find them is they point like like the way they find them on earth or the way like seti will listen to them on earth is they will point telescopes at specific stars and that's that's why it takes so long for them to to process this i think they've they've looked at less than a thousand stars since they started looking and they started looking uh when did they start looking? In 1960. So within the last 40, 60, 60 years, 
they've looked at less than a thousand stars, which is like less than a drop of water in the ocean. Like it's, yeah. Um, But but they have to look at each star individually. Less than that. It's like a molecule of water in the ocean. Yeah. So Um, if like, if aliens are listening, they would have to point their like satellite dish or telescope, radio telescope, sort of pretty close to the sun, like basically at the sun. Yeah, so pretty much like we're still cloaked by the sheer size of the universe, thankfully. Yeah, but like they pointed, like this is all about scale, right? So SETI is, I'm like, I'm reading an article on The Guardian right now from 2010, so this is a little old, but um, they're hoping to get this new device called the Allen Array. And that array would be capable of looking at a thousand stars in every two years, it could look at a thousand stars. So they're pretty hopeful that if they get this, this Allen array, let me just see if this is thing. Uh, oh, oh, they have this thing up and running, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is up and running. Oh, this is in, this is near Mount Shasta. Northeast of San Francisco. Oh, lots of, uh, cryptid, stuff happening near Mount Shasta. <laughs> anyway, um, Bigfoot zone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> People think Bigfoot lives in Mount Shasta. Oh, why not? Uh, anyway. <laughs> hey, why not? It's, it's, it's pretty nice. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's near San Francisco. You can get some takeout. Yeah. Well, no. 470. Okay, never mind. It's pretty far. But uh, this thing, they think... When did this thing start operating? 2007? First phase. Uh, maybe they haven't gotten to, to the second phase. Basically, by the second phase, when it's in its second phase, they'll be able to look at millions of star systems every decade. So, they so they're saying like, if we get this thing up and running, we will find a SETI like a extraterrestrial signal within twenty years. We will. They can guarantee that. They're saying, like, if there are these signals out there, we will be able to detect. We'll be able to look at millions of star systems every ten years. So, if you can look at two million stars, I mean, maybe. I mean, you might even be able to look at two million and not find one. But, um, but basically, like, if you can scale these things up, then you can look at more and more stars. And uh, then you can they can use AI algorithms to help weed out false positives. Like this is a new thing. A student, an undergrad, I think, at the University of Toronto came up with an algorithm to do this, to like filter out um, uh, radio signals that aren't, that are like false positives. Like one of the biggest problems they have when they're looking for radio signals from other stars is they pick up background noise from Earth. Mm-hmm. So like s- satellites, microwave ovens potentially um all sorts of weird things so this guy came up with an algorithm to filter those out so over time like with improved algorithms with more and more telescopes you can make this process really efficient and so i think if you imagine like a type 2 or type 3 civilization that has huge amounts of resources you know they might have an, like an entire planet dedicated to just observing like they might just have observation planets that they just use to constantly monitor things 
I mean, I can't even think. I don't even think I can. Re- we can really even conceive of what a Type Three civilization would be up to. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, it's just mind blowing. Like what? I mean, yeah. Like that, that's assuming they, that those things that, even happen. But that, yeah, that I exist. Like, like yeah. I feel like if there ever was a Type Three civilization, the first one that got there wins the game, like of control of the universe, right? Uh You'd think so. I mean, like, if we look at Earth history, it seems that that's not the case at all. I mean, like, I mean, like the most, like, whenever a civilization becomes dominant and achieves dominance, it doesn't always, it doesn't stay that way forever. I know, like but the rule of history seems Earth to be that it's always, it's always been uh, all of its conflicts are over resources and, and land and space, right? A type three civilization would have no. Um, they would have unlimited energy. They would have. They would have culture wars, though. You think so? They would be arguing about uh, trans rights and stuff, <laughs> and then they would <laughs> fall apart from internal conflict. I, I feel like a civilization that gets to that point is way beyond gender <laughs> as an as an idea. Like they probably don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> They're probably so integrated with AI and robotics and uh, energy. Like, I, I, I really think that if a civilization can harness the, all the energy of their home galaxy, they're pretty much not going to be recognizable to us. They've moved people. beyond, yeah. <laughs> At yeah, that stage, is, they've moved beyond gender roles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I, they left identity politics back way behind. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I, uh, or you could uh, make the counter argument that, uh, well, okay, no, I see what you mean. Like your point is that if they get to that stage, they must have some sort of social structure that there's no, there's no longer huge internal conflicts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there is any sort of power struggle going on there. I think they've resolved that a long time ago. I think that it's probably more of a hive mind situation. Okay, so more of like a, more of yeah, more of like a hive, you could say, or like I don't think individuality plants. is going to be a thing. Which is individuality is what we like gives rise to a lot of conflicts, right? So it's yeah, yeah. I, okay, I, like, so more almost like a Plato's Republic. My, what I'm trying to wrap my head around is what is a civilization that's reached that point even doing? Like, what are they doing? <laughs> You know what they're I mean? just living their lives. They're living their lives. Doing what? They they like, were motive. Well, I mean, I think that's that's like this is an interesting point, right? Because uh, aliens, like the whole the whole dark forest paradigm, like kind of assumes that other civilizations are going to be similar to us in the sense that they try to like develop technology and resources and acquire resources and develop new technologies and things like that. But that might not be the case at all. It, we might be the only kinds of aliens that really do that. Yeah. Which, which is what I ask again, what are the, what is everybody fucking doing out there? You know? what, are, what do trees do? What are cockroaches doing? What are uh, mushrooms doing? I would like to know. Things just I exist know. and it's not really up to them what they do. But do things that just exist, Build civilizations. 
they do on Earth, or at least humans do. You yeah, could argue we, ants we do as well. Had it just existing. It's like our worst fucking power. We don't know how to just well, exist. Well, it's like you can't just exist because in order to exist, you do have to consume resources, it seems like. If you want to be a living thing and you want to survive. Like these are the we're going we're getting back to the axioms of the dark forest. If you're like a group of living things and you want to survive, you're going to have to acquire resources continuously. And you're going to have to keep expanding because eventually you will use up the resources in your area. I think that's sort of the idea. And it doesn't matter what kind of life you are. If you're life, the only way you persist is by consuming resources, converting them into energy. And yeah. if we're talking alien civilizations, that holds true for a civilization too. The only way the civilization can carry on is if it can continue acquiring resources. Unless, and then that gets, and so it doesn't really matter like what they're doing internally, well, like well, what kind of music they listen to, well, like what motivates case, them. In this case, the type three is, is looking for another galaxy they have to. Uh, yeah. Like they might, they need more resources, right? As you get bigger, you need more resources to keep going. Like think about like, like a more primitive human civilization, like the Roman empire, for example, they didn't, they didn't need like a fraction of the amount of energy that like just Canada needs. Like for yeah. Canada to keep running requires so much energy because we have all of this technology that we depend on that requires so much energy and there's so many people whereas like the roman empire they don't they don't need to power cars they don't need to power generators like the amount of energy they need to consume is so much more limited and so like as you get up as you scale up civilizations to have these powerful technologies they sort of to keep it all going you need to get more and more to keep it going I just feel like they would have come up with some sort of extremely efficient energy source that requires no resources, almost no resources. Well, I guess that's like the... Or extremely that's efficient like way of like con uh, converting their energy into like useful. Yeah, like, like a fusion process or something yeah, like that. Well, if you have, yeah, if harnessing their own star. I mean, if there's a black hole in the, the, uh, the middle of every galaxy, I don't think uh, running out of resources is going to be yeah. energy at least is an issue. It might depend on the reason why they are consuming so much energy in the first place. Like your, your energy consumption is always based on what you need. Like you need more energy because you want to do stuff. Mm -hmm. So if there's a civilization that has developed, the <laughs> well, okay. So like, here's the thing, right? Like the, like, why do they, why do they have so much power? Well, they must need it for something. What, what do they need it for? alien things like we don't it doesn't matter what they need it for they need it for alien things they would ask the same thing about us like what do they need it for they need to sit and twiddle their yeah. thumbs on joysticks and things like why what are they doing like why are they staring at these two-dimensional screens with lights coming out of them like what what is going on why do they i, I kind of think that like <laughs> any civilization is going to go virtual reality at some point if it gets good enough where it's just as good or even better than reality then why not just, I think people will be born in virtual reality. Like the, the, 
of being born is not even going to be a thing. I feel like there's going to be a point where there's just the amount of conscious minds on the planet that were biological at one point are going to hit a peak. And then after that, they'll slowly fade away and it'll just be AI consciousnesses that fill up the virtual space. Uh, and biological beings will be a, uh, a, you know, a thing of the past. Hmm. You think everyone's going to be made out of metal? I don't think everybody, anyone, I don't think everybody's going to have a, uh, I don't think anyone's going to have a physical form. Okay. Interesting. I think, I think it'll be essentially like the matrix, but, uh, a lot more, um, Actually, I don't fucking know. I, I've watched some theories oh. on this, and it's like people will, like the idea of living just one life will be really like what people only got to live one life at a time, whereas it'll be a point where you can live ten lives at a time. Mm-hmm. What if though? Like, I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I'm very skeptical of the possibility that you'll be able to seamlessly like upload your consciousness into a computer. And if you did, would it still be you? And how would you know that you would be conscious before you uploaded it? Okay, maybe not upload into a computer. Maybe you will still have some sort of physical, biological body or brain that linked in. Uh-huh. But if you just look about, uh, look, okay, like virtual reality, and more importantly, society is becoming so ingrained into virtual spaces where most of the important shit that happens is actually in virtual spaces as far as like the economy goes and most social interactions are in the virtual space now and most entertainment and art is consumed in the virtual space and virtual reality itself is getting better and better every year so at a certain point um there's going to be no reason to explore space because whatever's out there, we can pretty much just generate in our supercomputers. That's, that's a fair point that, uh, they would have no reason to explore space for their own, uh, like pleasure or interest. But I assume that in order to power all of these virtual worlds, you're going to, you like these amazing virtual worlds. They sound pretty, pretty amazing in fact indistinguishable from reality itself yeah in order to power all of these things you're going to need probably a ton of energy will you because mostly most technology is a lot more efficient now than it was 50 years ago it takes a lot less to power a cell phone than it did to power a computer back then yeah but like what if your civilization has like 10 billion people and they all and that number is growing and they all want to be in uh virtual reality all the time like you're gonna have to keep building more servers you're gonna have to keep generating more and more electricity yeah, like yes you'll be able to make it you'll be able to make it efficient but you will yeah. have to continuously exhaust your resources there's no way around it you will have to continue using resources yes but it will be will it be enough resources where you have to go attack a different civilization like no well no no, no. I, I think I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe like you might be forced into that. Like eventually, I guess the idea is if you expand enough, the borders eventually meet. And then there's the other reason, which is 
you just want to take out competitors to avoid the possibility of their borders expanding to touch yours. So you're going to, so here's a hypothetical civilization is, uh, everybody lives their lives in virtual reality, but outside of virtual reality is a warfare for the resources needed to keep the virtual world operational. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds like humanity's future. We're all extracted so we have, watching uh, movies. What we have is we have we have droids essentially going out in the real physical world, reality reality one, space reality mm-hmm. one. Yeah, they're fighting other civilizations, android uh, resource harvesting fleets, space fleets, and it's mm-hmm. all for the sake of keeping the home world's virtual reality going. Yeah, I mean that's one possible future. You could argue that that's uh, that that's happened on Earth before. Like a lot of wars have been fought over the uh, over resources, so that people could maintain like a standard of living. I'd well, say yeah. that's true. I think that's like a lot of wars are most wars have been. Yeah, I mean, there's also like religious reasons for us. It's a very it's a kind of a Marxist theory in a way, um, because it sort of sums up. It sort of explains all of. The, it sort of explains the Fermi paradox through economics in a way, which is interesting, rather than uh, like other reasons. Um, we have to remember, this is just one way to resolve the Fermi paradox, but it feels like to attack this, you do have to kind of go after the axioms, which are survival is the primary need of civilization. Civilization constantly grows and expands. And the total matter in the universe remains constant. So the, one so if you thing, can, if, the first one is, do does every civilization continue to value its own existence over everything else? It's, it's possible that that's not true. It's possible that I'm sure there are some like historians or like theorists who would argue that civilizations become decadent and decay and sort of lose the will to continue. Um, or the sense of individualism is so strong that uh, they don't, people stop caring about the civilization as a whole. Like, here's another thought maybe you get to a point where each individual is so capable and powerful that the civilization kind of splinters off and it's not really looked at as one thing anymore because there's not one thing that like, they need each other for. Anymore, yeah. Right? So each yeah, individual yeah. essentially becoming what we, what we, would essentially be a god of some sort or deity that is completely self-sufficient doesn't need the help of the civilization to survive and maybe that is like peak civilization is everybody's so powerful on their own and self-sufficient and self-sustaining that they do not need anything to they can essentially just yeah, be some sort of like godlike thing that just is now the universe is at its fingertips and you can engage with other uh sentient beings as little or as, as much as you want yeah um that's possible uh and i think i i do like the idea of what you're saying that like a civilization isn't necessarily a static thing because i think what's pretty clear in human history is that when civilizations meet they change and one civilization becomes another. 
Now, is this possible? And like, for example, like there's the movie District 9, right? Where the movie District 9, there's an alien civilization trapped on Earth and they can't leave. And they have this like chemical or something that they accidentally spray on the human guy, Vicus. And then he actually turns into an alien and his behavior changes. And so is it maybe it's possible that it's just not true that like civilizations are engaged in constant competition. It could also be true that when civilizations meet, that crossover happens and they change two civilizations become an entirely different third civilization through a cultural exchange. That would be the most ideal circumstance, I feel like. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it seems so hard to, to believe that yeah. if aliens are like, some sort of, like gelatinous humans or something. Uh, <laughs> being human is pretty hack at this point. That's what I think. I think we need to switch it up and find another civilization that's sick of being what it is and then fucking merge together. Merge with and the then, machines. Uh, yeah, we party. You know? I, I just after you get to a certain point, it's like I, I, I still have no idea what the desires and goals of a type two or type three civilization would be. I mean, it, it at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. All yeah. like all that matters, like they they'll do they do their own thing, right? Like, what do ants do? Ants just do ant things. What do jellyfish do? They do jellyfish things. Well, what do most, really most big things do what they, they do, do to survive, things. but when survival is no longer something you have to like consciously sustain, it's just you're just pretty much immortal, then what do you do? Then it's all entertainment. Just, I I guess, yeah. And then and then that's where uh maybe people would get bored and just their civilization would fall apart. Once you have nothing to to do anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Like and then you get you, taken over by a younger, hungrier civilization. <laughs> you pass the torch onto a different civilization. Say, so you guys uh, knock yourself out. I'm bored of shit. Um, I mean, I've always thought about this. Even if I could live forever, like I don't like most people. If they really sat down and thought about it, you would not want to live forever. That's just the idea of that is actually fucking horrifying. No, well, you don't want to be forced to live forever, but it would be cool to have the option. It'd be cool to be able to decide when you're done, you know? Like, yeah. I've seen enough, I've experienced enough, uh, let's shut this thing down, you know? Like, it's yeah. over. Uh, yeah. That would be really kind of the goal, I think, of any uh, advanced enough civilization, is to be able to kind of pick and choose when they, how how they live and how long they live. Exactly how long they live and exactly what they get to experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, I don't know if you have anything more to add, but I feel like we've reached a good place to wrap it up. Yeah. Damn, that one blew by. Blew by. <laughs> All I got to start talking is aliens and I'm fucking in. All right. Well, uh, that well was, we can that do a lot good. more. There, there's well, plenty I'm more philosophy the of book, science fiction. And then I think I'm going to be on like some sort of sci fi kick after this because I like oh, hell yeah. this book is really like. Got me thinking about the stars. Ah, I'm a, I'm about to start a series that I would recommend, uh, "Children of Time," by I've heard of that Tchaikovsky. one. I've heard of that one. Um, I'm gonna start that. But there was one I started that I, I didn't finish because I don't like audiobooks. I realized I think I need to read uh, 
a physical book or an ebook because I just I can never seem to finish an audiobook. But I did I tell you about the book about the uh, civilization of spiders that gets super advanced? No. It's like human beings. They send. Uh, they find a planet. Oh, that's yeah. children of time. That's children of time. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is the one. So we were just yeah, it's the same talking one. about the yeah. same book. Okay. <laughs> so you haven't started it yet. No, I'm reading one of his other. I'm reading a standalone novel that he wrote. Just oh, okay. to see if I like. Just to see got, if I liked him. Yeah. I got through like a quarter of children of time on audiobook. I'll probably start it again, but uh, that's another interesting concept. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Okay. Well, you guys can keep sending emails into our dead email I can't access. Um, or just, uh, you know what? We probably know all of you personally. So just next time you see me, say, I got a question for the podcast and I'll write it in my phone. That's what or we're follow doing. follow us now. on it. Do we have Instagram? I have Instagram. Yeah. Do you have an Instagram account? This podcast? Oh, no, not for the podcast. No. Oh. I should start one for the podcast. That's too. what we need to do. Start a goddamn. Okay. Next week, we're going to have an Instagram. Um, page where you okay, can maybe not next week maybe two weeks give me two weeks well i'll i can set it up oh all right yeah you do it. it you should do it with imagery yeah. from stuff we've talked about um and, beautiful uh, you guys can send dms into that until then live long and prosper keep your head down we're in a dark forest don't scream <laughs> all right goodbye